joined by my fabulously wonderful co-hosts, um, Colin Gallinger. Hey, hey, hey. And Scott DeLandy. How come Colin got first with the fabulous co-host thing? I don't know if... Because you, you denied me fabulousness last fabulous time. You denied me fabulousness. I, I, but Colin I gave you... the fabulous, man. But I gave you... Why are you, you so jealous? Like... Okay. All right. All right. I don't want... I, last time we went off the rails, like, within, like, the first five minutes. I was going to say minutes, age so. before beauty, Scott, but... You... Oh. <laughs> okay. That's completely the opposite. That's fair. <laughs> If you Ouch, hey, if you want if you burn. want to make if you want to make fun of somebody <laughs> over forty, then you go right ahead and do it. Uh, let's not do that here. Um, I'm definitely feeling the pain of being over forty right now. <laughs> let's let's keep it positive. How are y'all doing this week? Great. Yeah. Great. I'm doing okay. I'm in job search blue blues mode, right? But you know. Aww. Nothing like being told, you know, it's not you, it's us. Yeah, <laughs> but, um... over and over again. Well, particularly particularly when you've been interviewing for two months and think you're about to get an offer. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like when you're told you're too good for this job, we want to yeah. create a role for you, and then they don't call you back for like yeah. ever. <laughs> so the, the good news, so actually, so the good news is, um, the head of recruiting called me yesterday. And um, and said, oh, I'm so sorry that you found out via an email. And I, I sort of unloaded on her. And I, um, she had worked at Pure, so I knew we knew of each other. We never worked together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of unloaded. I said, well, it says, it says you know, we're, we're sort of fellow travelers. I said, your recruiter is a complete piece of shit. <laughs> and, I told her all the and she's like, that's okay. He doesn't work here anymore. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, nice. so um, so the recruiter, I was hoping I'd get him fired, but she, they were smart enough to fire him already. But yeah. We're not naming names on this episode again, right? Is that the no, new no, no, is that no, the no, new no. Tech Vines rule? Okay. Yeah. No naming uh, of we names. Can, we can name names sometimes, but I think I think for that kind of stuff we probably shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. We're 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 treading in uh dangerous waters right here. Um Yeah, so um today's wine is Chilean wine. Mm-hmm. Chilean. Mm-hmm. And Scott, I know you hate 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 to go after colin so i'll let you go first since since you're upset about um being the second fabulous wonderful co-host. well i mean uh, I, hey if i'm second in fabulousness to colin believe me i will sleep well tonight <laughs> with that ranking i will i will I know, take right? that <laughs> all day any day twice on sundays yes not as fabulous but not as fabulous as colin i can i can rationalize that in my mind okay so um the the assignment for this week was uh chilean wine um so i did a little bit of research and i looked to find out really what is what is chile known for chile 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 uh known for as far as wine and most of what i saw was around the uh, uh, around Cabernets, so that's kind of like their thing. Cabernets in in Bordeaux. All right, well, you know, so I've drank enough Cabernet, you know, over the years that I could probably, you know, be able to to make a sound judgment on that. So I went with um uh with with the Cabernet from from Chile, and what I found about researching Chilean wine or Chilean wine is that up until the sort of nineteen eighties. It was really considered a low quality wine that was pretty much almost exclusively uh, consumed domestically. And it really had nothing to do with the quality of the wine. It was um, uh, two factors. Number one, there was no 
a good way to export the wine or transport it from the wineries that were based in Chile. So they had very limited uh, distribution, which is why most of it was um, sold domestically. And there were also tax benefits. So my understanding is that the way um, the wineries were taxed is they were incented not to export it and to sell it uh, mainly domestically. But that that basically changed going into the, uh, the 1980s. And when that happened, um, there was a whole bunch of investment that came in uh, to help uh, improve the the process and, and really the quality of the wine um, coming out of uh, Chile. And right now, um, well, they used to be up until a couple of years ago, they were the third largest exporter um, of wine uh, uh, into, well, importer of U.S. Of, of wine into the United States. So take the U.S. out of it. Um, you know, number one, obviously, being France, number two, being Italy, and then number three had been Chile, but they were recently surpassed by another region. And I was curious as to what you all might think that that region was that they were surpassed by. So give the ones. The order it was uh, so number one was France, number two mm -hmm. was Italy, and then yeah. number three was uh, Chile uh, up until a couple of years ago when they got bumped down to number four. There is now a new number three. And I was kind I of would, surprised. I would this. say Australia. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Really? I didn't let Melissa answer. Yes. <laughs> I, I would have guessed Argentina or something. I I, that, so I would I would not have I definitely would not have guessed um, Australia. But then. You know, you think about it, there are a lot of uh, brands, right? The 19 yeah. Crimes is a good example of it where, you know, it's a it's a reasonable line, wine. It has a good um, price point. And, you know, certainly I've had, um, you know, more Australian wine than, than you know, yeah. I thought I would have had by now. So not 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 too surprising, but still a little surprising when you when you actually see it. Um, but, you know, uh, Cabernet is, is Chile's thing just because of the types of grapes. So. Um, you know, the, the, the grapes that they use to make uh, to make Cabernet as well as Bordeaux are, are a pretty, you know, not a, a, a high touch, very exotic sort of grape. So it's pretty easy um, to kind of grow those grapes anywhere. So that's why it's, it's one of the most popular wines that you have out there um, in terms of the, um, you know, the, 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 the types of wineries that, that will produce different kinds of wine. Um, and when you do a little research, so I did a little research on, on Cabernet and, and, you know, cause I obviously drank a lot of Cabernet and, you know, the, the actual origin of Cabernet Sauvignon is not really well understood because it's, you know, it's like, you know, a, a chili recipe, not to, you know, be facetious, but, um, or redundant it, 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 every, it, you know, it, it can come from anywhere with lots of different stories behind it. But, uh, the word Sauvignon, as I'm sure the fabulous Colin will know, um, is derived from the French word sauvage, which is um, French for basically wine. And it refers to the wild Vitus uh, grapes that are native to France. So that's where the Sauvignon uh, comes from, from, from the grape. But hey, pairs well with, you know, red meat. And, and you know, if you're having a steak or something like that, is, it is the ultimate. Now, the wine that I got, and I know I'm going long on this, is um, it's a Concha Toro. Um, and it was about 18 bucks and I just got it just cause I think it had a sticker on it that said it was like a 92, you know, rating in terms of, you know, the, the place that's trying to sell you the wine. So it's almost like, a um, um, uh, an NPS score where, you know, you can make up whatever, whatever you want and you can throw that out there from a marketing perspective. So, you know, but, but I got it and I, and I had it and I will tell you it, it's, um, it's 
good. I probably wouldn't buy this again because I think for you know the twenty dollar price point, there are other cabs. Um, definitely things that are from um, California, um, I think are are better. But it's not the worst that I've had. It's not a Trader Joe's <laughs> three buck chuck um, special. And by the way, we we did talk about featuring that in one of the podcasts from a couple of episodes ago, and I did pick up some. Um, some uh, Trader Joe wine and I want to go on record and thank you for not subjecting me or either of you to having to drink a $3 bottle of um, uh, Trader Joe's wine because it is like my, my, when I had it, it reminded me that somebody took a bunch of ketchup packets and they unloaded the ketchup packets into like a bottle of vinegar and then they just shook it up and poured it out. It was some of the like, like I, I will, even if it's bad wine, I'll at least sip it. This was like one sip bottle went right down the drain. It was literally that bad. So anyway, yeah. so that's what I've got. I know I went long, so we'll. No, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. The reason I didn't want to do three, three buck chuck is because I didn't want to endure a line at Trader Joe's. Like, but also because it it's totally a mixed bag as you, as you say you get you get those and then every once in a while you get like a rare good one that was just an overstock yeah. or whatever and and then you luck out but the unpredictable nature of of what you're getting for your three dollars is to me not worth it how about yeah. you Colin? you you, you would be begging for tequila wine after <laughs> <laughs> man i'm never gonna let that one go you'd be I? begging for that so um, I am doing a, uh, a label I've had before, um, and which I thought was sort of higher end because I had it at a tasting, and maybe this is just the one that I saw in the store. I was like, oh, um, but uh, mine is about a $15 bottle of wine. I know Scott didn't miss, mention his price point, but I am drinking a Connoisseur, uh, which stands for Southern Cone. Which, you know, if you look at the map of South America, and by the way, Scott's wine, um, Conchetoro is Shell and Bull. Um, so, um, and I think it's, I, I've always wondered about that label because shell can be um, slang in Spanish for female genitalia. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know about the bull portion of it, but it might be interesting if it's if it's. Uh, uh, so, so for the record, I did not know any of that. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, <laughs> um, I did know. not know any of that either. I mean, it, it could just be because Chile has a lot of a lot of you know you know ocean front land and a lot of a lot of mountains you know mountains on one side there, but I do. Who knows? Um, but. I, I chose this because um, it is also a Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's a I chose the Cabernet Carmenier blend uh, with a little Syrah too. Uh, so it's a, it's a blend. Um, so it's, it's sort of a Bordeaux style, but Carmenier isn't what you traditionally would blend with a Bordeaux. You'd use a, um, but again, Carmenier is another French grape that has a darker that you use for blending with. So just interesting. I want to try it. But this um, this vineyard is completely organic and it's one of the few completely organic vineyards i like so i saw it in the store for 15 bucks and i like it and it has a bicycle on the label so um i really like it it was, it's been like i said i had it once about 10 years ago at a, at a tasting and i think they must it must have been a, they must have a premium upscale um, set of wines as well because i swear i you know i bought a couple of bottles of the tasting and took them home and they were you know not cheap um it was at that place um that i took you to in in west roxbury scott Oh yes, the, yeah, yeah. The the owner was um, the, the the chef owner was um, Peruvian, and so he had a 
South American wine tasting night one night there with his food. So, but there, anyhow. Yeah, that's um, night. Well, that was one of the nights that we went. That place was amazing. Yeah, yeah they used yeah, to yeah. do wine tasting nights. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but so Scott did an amazing job and covered a, a, a tremendous amount of history of Chilean wine. So I'm going to cut this short. But there's one thing that's particularly unique about Chilean wine versus most of the most of the wine in the world. Um, with the exception of a country we just mentioned previously, um, um, and, which is important, which is historically important. I don't know. You know, you can argue whether it uh, makes a difference in the quality of the wine. Uh, do either of you know what makes Chile different in wine? It is one of the few places in the world. That... Wait, wait, let me, wait, wait, let me, okay. let me guess. I, okay. I. Uh... I am going to go back to. I'm going to say it's in it's in the production piece, and from the research that I did, it was difficult to export the wine out of the region, and that was kind of like the you know the um, if we build it, do do they come kind of syndrome mm -hmm. because you you weren't investing in you know kind of the state of the art um, wineries, which meant that the quality was going to be subpar to other areas because there was no financial incentive. So I'm I'm going with that. It was the financial side of running a a a, a winery in that area, and I, I could be wrong, but that was what I took from the research. Nope, it is one of the few areas that <laughs> nope. was nope. Sorry, no, no, no. It, it may, it, that may have something else. But what I was going for, what I was going for, uniqueness was it is the one of the few areas in the world that was that was spared the uh, phylloxera epidemic. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, Floxera is Floxera is a, a North American aphid that that uh, as part of its life cycle it lives in grapevine roots, um, and it sort of you know co-evolves alongside American grapes, and then in the 19th century it spread to Europe and completely destroyed. Uh, a tremendous amount of the European crop because their grapes weren't used to it, and when it lives in there, it, it sort of lives off of the the, you know, so it lives off of the the, the, the roots, and it, it consumes them slowly, and it puts something in them that prevents them from uh, from healing, and so uh, the grapevines would just die. But because um, Chile is protected by a desert in the north, the Pacific Ocean, and the Andes, the the flies were never able to go in there, and there wasn't enough commerce back and forth to it, et cetera. So it was protected. Australia is the other one that that was largely spread as well. That's why most grapes that you plant in the world are grafted on American rootstock. That's how they solved the problem because the 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 way the, the the aphid killed them was by living in the roots. It, it also does, you know, it, it lives around the grape. It has a life cycle in the, in the leaves, but that well, didn't kill them. Um, and so they they graft American rootstock to vitis vinifera, Scott just said, um, the rest of the grapes. And so there's always a grafting point on them. Um, uh, and so that, or, or they hybridize them, which we talked about before. But yeah, um, so yeah, to get all of the grapes in France are grafted on American rootstock because of the, of the, the Fluxera. So, except in Chile. So yeah, so. Yep. So this is why I don't like Fallen Colin. <laughs> so, no, you did, you did a fantastic job. You covered the. No, you covered the. You, co you did a fantastic job. Yes. So like, anyhow, my, my, I was like, I was like, I'm going to put him in his place. He's never going to guess Australia. There's no way so he's going to guess Australia. And it, oh man. Okay. Um, so no, I mean this. I mean I, I really like this one. Um, I think it's um, you know it's it's sort of got you know a, a bit of acid to it um, for a, a cab, which is nice. Um, and it's got some you know raspberry and cherry and some of those you know heartier fruit flavors. Um, so um, I like it. And that one's from inventory, right? 
No, no, I bought this. I bought this. Okay. I, I used to have some of this inventory, but not anymore. Um, I, I drank those a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but again, like I, I, you know, and I, I was surprised at the price in you. Know, so this must be the the more table version of their wine, but it's still good for for fifteen bucks. Connoisseur. Yep. Yep. That's good. It's a two thousand eighteen. So yeah. And Melissa, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking Manina. So it's it's another cab, and it's 2019. And for a cab, it's surprisingly light and fruity. Like I, I'm used yeah, to this is fruitier too than a cab. Yeah, this is fruitier. Than, yeah, this is the same thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's more acidic and more fruity. Yeah, I don't know whether it's the 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 way they make them or the the the, the terroir. Yes, yeah. But yeah, this this one was under 10. And it's it's pretty amazing for an under ten. I I can't think of a cab under ten that I've had that's been better than this. But I I grabbed it because it was the only Chilean wine I could find at my local <laughs> store. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this will be easy, and it wasn't. And I I could have gone to like a Total Wine or something and found like ten other ones, but I was at the local store, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna try to do it at my very local store. And and I gotta say, for for what it was, I'm impressed. So I so I have a funny story. So when I went to go get my bottle of wine, so I I go to the uh, the New Hampshire State Liquor Store, and you know, well, I, so you snicker, right? But from a from a wine perspective, the the selection that they have there is amazing. It's just rows and rows and rows, and they have everything, and so that they have a great selection. And, and one of the things I will absolutely go on record is that. There are so the the folks that actually manage the locations, they really know their stuff, especially about wine. So if you have a wine question, you ask for to you know to talk to somebody, they'll call whoever that person is, and he or she will come out, and they and I find them to be surprisingly knowledgeable about um, about wine in particular, because whatever I'm looking for, they'll ask questions that I don't have answers for. I'm like, oh my God, this person knows what they're talking about. But I was, I was a little intimidated because I went to the, uh, the liquor store middle of the day, you know, like all of us do, right? We got nothing else to do. So, you know, we'll go. actually it was, I had a, I was out, I had a break so I could go out and I knew I had to get this wine. So I went, I went to the liquor store and it's this, it's like, a, it's a huge store. It's almost like a Costco that sells alcohol. It's just, it's just huge in terms of the size of the building. And there's not a lot of people in there. Um, so I find the aisle that has, you know, the, the Argentinian wine. And then there's a section right next to it that has the Chilean wine. And there's literally one person in the store. And he's a younger person, a little bit younger than me. And he's there in front of the Chilean wine. And he's like, you know, looking at all the bottles and researching all the stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are the odds that I'm here to get this bottle from Chile? And there's like literally one person that's looking for wine and they're looking for one. And I felt like I was like a little bit freaked out. I was like, OK, I, I got to give this person a space because he's going to think like I'm the ultimate stalker, because unless he's doing a podcast on, you know, Wednesday for uh, Chilean wine. Why the hell else would he be there looking for Chile? So I gave him a space. He took a long time. Finally, he left. I did look at what he bought, but his stuff was like the eight nine dollar bottle of wine, and I was like, all right, I I don't know if I can do that. But I was just curious around, you know, why. And I almost want to ask, I was like, why are you getting? But you know, 
these are things that are difficult conversations to have with strange people at a liquor store at 11 o'clock in the morning. So. Why? Because like, it's New Hampshire. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that in New Hampshire. I don't know about you Midwest, you Pacific Northwest people, but like, you know, you do that and then, you know, someone's going to be taking out a shotgun, right? And it's like, as, okay. As a former Midwesterner, if you're in the... And if you're in the liquor store at 11 a.m., you've got friends. Like, <laughs> you've got friends. <laughs> but it's not like I'm buying like a Pacific you know a, a big old plastic. People, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not picking up a big old plastic jug of old Granddad or something like that. I'm there for you know quality. You know, ain't nothing wrong libations. with small tabby. Nope. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but it's, Another story. I don't want to drag this down, but anyway. No, no, no. Let's get to the technology, shall we? Um, today's yeah. topic is robots. Mm-hmm. And um, Colin, I'm going to let you go first this time. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, so I did a little bit thinking about this. And I think, you know, I, I am, I'm sort of mixed on robots in general. Um, so, you know, I don't know whether I was supposed to, um, you know, talk about, you know, specific, I mean, I think my first, I'm just talking about my experience with robots, you know, let's see, because I don't, I, I, I'm sort of neutral on them. Um, you know, I mean, my first real robot experience was the Roomba, which I thought was a great, you know, product you know, in, in that sense. Um, it did what it did reasonably well, you know, it could it keep up with, you know, you know, in, in a small space, it, it was good, larger spaces, not, you know, just didn't have the carrying capacity for it or large number of dogs or whatever. It had to be. You know, that was a really interesting product. It's a Boston based product. iRobot is based in Boston. Um, or they were at least for at least, at least yeah. No, they, they still are. Yep. Yep. Route 3 yeah, Burlington. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I used to have a friend whose um, husband was a, a, a engineering manager there. Um, uh, so no, I always thought I always thought that was a, that was a great product, um, but I think you know for me it's like the the physical instantiation of, of AI is you know and then there, you know there's pool robot you know, I live by my pool robot as well you know which is basically a, a different version of that. Um, by the way, I never buy the I don't know if they have one now, but I, early on I bought a um, a pool robot from iRobot. It was basically someone else's the OEM that it was shit. So uh, I don't know if they do it anymore. They got out of it, but um. Um, buy a dedicated pull robot if you ever do, uh, by someone who makes a good one. Um, but so that type of thing for cleaning and repetitive tasks, I think they're pretty good. Um, you know, I've struggled with, you know, anything larger that, um, um, you know, for the use I haven't, you know, I think a lot of things like these, I, I much find like, you know, virtual robots better. That's, that's where I was going, like the automator tasks on, on, um, on the iPhone, I find mm-hmm. to be really, really cool. And I, I don't know if that's technically a robot. Um, oh, I forgot. I was going was to start this off a whole different way, but um, you know, I'll go back to it in a second. Um, I just find like those things like where, you know, it can do in program and, and sort of judge things like that much better than sort of, you know, a, a physical intention robot. And I don't know why, particularly things I think I'm not sure anatomically correct robots are going to succeed. I think we're just too weirded <laughs> out by them. Um, yeah. You know, particularly remember, speaking of iRobot, remember they had those Valley those military stuff. robot dogs that were freaking people out, you know, right? yes. yeah, a couple yeah. years ago. So I think I think it needs to look different. So and that's it. But actually, true question for you guys. So this is how I was going to start it out. Um, what what does the word robot mean, and where does it come from? Oh, I I I have a funny feeling when you well I can't say this because I I can't I don't. No, but I, I have a funny feeling when you say it, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I do that, because it's like one of those obscure facts that I probably knew, but I do not know. But that's a good question. Can I only answer half? Yeah. I have a feeling that robot came from Asimov. Am I wrong? Uh, no, it predates him. 
It predates okay. him. It predates him. It's a different science fiction writer who I can't remember and I should have looked up. Um, but I'm the guy was of, now. We're good. the guy was of Czech origin, I believe. Um, but robot is the Slavic root word for work. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, he was a Czech. Yeah. So it, the Russian word for work is is robota. So that, which is how I've always paid attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. Czech playwright, novelist, and journalist Karel mm-hmm. Kapek. Yeah. Um, from yeah. it was introduced in his 1920 hit play R U R, Rossum's Universal Robots. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, but it's it's the Slavic origin. It's you know the same in Russian. Robot um, means work. So yeah. Nice. So yep. So yep. So yeah. So yeah. Just random trivia for you guys. No, that's a good fun fact. You bust that out in some mm-hmm. meeting. You'd be like, you don't even know what a robot is. Let me mm-hmm. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's um. I I came up with the imp- inspiration for this topic kind of driving down the street, um, headed toward the place I get to run, and the um, the city I live in happened to have a robot kind of navigating the sidewalk with people. And it looked like it was about to cross a crosswalk. And I looked at it and I'm like, holy shit, this is where we are now. We should talk about robots. And that's the most thought I put into, like, (laughs) having robots as a topic. So your answer is perfect, Colin. Scott, how about you? Okay, so I have I have I I have two thoughts on this. So it was interesting that you had suggested that because um, I had um, like the day before you you put that topic up, I had to go into the. into the corporate office to do some some video stuff. So I was I was in the building, and one of the things that I noticed is that they now have um, um, robotic um, floor cleaning machines mm-hmm. that are going through and and cleaning the machine and cleaning the floors because you know there's there's not a lot of people there. There, there are people there, but not not enough. Um, so they they've obviously you know cut that back and they have and, and you see them in supermarkets and you know different retail outlets and things like that so it's not that not that weird to see it but I just remember looking at this thing and I was you know we were in the middle of shooting something and so I was just you know sitting there waiting for them to, to get ready for me so I had nothing to do and I'm watching this 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 robot go up and down the hallway cleaning and all I could think of was Wally. And all I'm waiting for is like the cockroach to come out behind him, his little best friend, because all I can think about is this poor little robot going hallway to hallway, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, cleaning up stuff that, you know, is just in the next day, it's going to come and there's going to be more stuff. So it just it had this total Wally feeling. And then I, I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I should really get one of those Roombas because, you know, I got hardwood. I don't have any carpeting and it would be nice and it would be more importantly than it than anything to to Colin's point is it would be a fun gadget to have and to set it up and to watch it and it would be like this this fun little novelty and and I and I thought about it and then as I'm sitting there watching the robot I realized that it's kind of like stuck in this corner and it's not like really going anywhere it's just kind of like going back and forth over like a 3 or 4 foot area so it's kind of like your pool cleaner example mm-hmm. and so after like 10 minutes of doing that one of the facilities people shows up grabs the thing and physically drags it down to another section of the hallway and leaves it there and it does the same thing where it goes like three or four feet and it just keeps kind of looping back and forth i was like all right good to know even the industrial ones don't work and you still need a human to come in and kind of guide it in the uh in in the in the right direction so um that was uh that that was an interesting story so it was funny that you had mentioned robots because um um that was um one of the things that I had seen 
And then I wrote something here in my notes that I can't really read what the hell it wrote. I scribbled it down too fast. Um, all right. Make a note, Melissa. <laughs> At minute 27, we, we yes, edit Scott yes, out. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I wrote it. It's okay. Air, okay. I can talk about vacuum cleaning robots, too. Yeah. Like, I've, I've got a, a an iRobot that handles my upstairs, and it's a lifesaver, especially with cats and yeah. stuff. I mean, there is a lot of maintenance involved, but part of that is because I have long hair and I shed a lot, and it tries to murder the vacuum cleaner. But um, that's true for every vacuum, not just the robot vacuums. Mm -hmm. But I will say that the mop is a disappointment. <laughs> so. Good. I've, I've looked at that. That's actually what I would want. And I've, I've held off him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll it'll get the floor wet and, you know, do some base kind of impression of clean, but it doesn't really clean the floor. Um, that said, like, I've, I've been tinkering around with robots for a while. And I used to do this thing where I'd go to... Um, schools and encourage kids to get involved in STEM. And I will say that a robot is a really good tool for getting kids to actually engage in STEM because you can talk them through all these cool problems. And even if you use um, an amusement park or something as an example, like nothing beats like having the magic of having something there that you can kind of control with a few like basic commands, whether you're using Scratch or some kind of um, programming language that's more human readable like Python or something. Um, you can kind of go in and, and talk them through the logic and say, hey, your decisions are making this thing move. Check it out. And it's it's really kind of fun and engaging and, and kind of good at getting them engaged. Um, and for this podcast, when, when I decided to do robots, I, I looked at the newest Raspberry Pi. And um, the new one's called the Pico, and it's like $4.00. So I'm like, I'm going to get one of those, but it hasn't arrived in time, so I can't build my new robot. Um, but there are a lot of, like, kits you can get, too, that are that are pretty cool to kind of play with robots and, and get so, people but, learning. But when you when you have, like, the Raspberry Pi or, or you know, the, the kind of the, um, the, the, the STEM um, examples and exercises that they do in that, is that... To me, it, it's not it's not so much about the physical robot as much as it is understanding the programming um, behind the robot. There's a little bit of that. Um, when I used mine, I used something called a Bumblebot, which doesn't exist anymore, but there are similar prototypes. Um, and with that one, what was cool is you had um, two motors and a set of batteries that ran both the controller but also the motors, right, for the wheels to work. So what I ended up teaching them is a little bit about hardware engineering in the middle of a talk about robots and how to program them, right? So, so you talk a little bit about programming and you give them some basic concepts around programming, but then you can have the hardware design discussion, which is, look, this, this little motor draws on this set of batteries, this little motor draws on the other side of the batteries, and then the CPU, because the decision's made, also draws on that side of the batteries. So if you run this four or five times, what you end up with is a robot that always turns left. And, and right. you can kind of talk yeah, to yeah. them about like the, the decisions you make in software engineering based on these kind of hardware 
yeah. hardware limitations yes. or hardware um, kind of oopses that come from from how the hardware is designed, right? And and it's it's kind of fun because you're like, okay, as an engineer, you plan for this, right? And at battery life, so and so, you can change the acceleration on this motor to match this motor, so it so that it looks like it's yeah. yeah so it compensates for these things yeah. and it becomes like this interesting discussion on okay yeah we're we're really talking about programming for a minute but we're also talking about like the decisions you make in the life cycle of this whole yes. thing that you want to deliver right and it can be really cool yeah. and fun and of course everybody brings up lego mindstorms i've never played with them that's what i was going to bring up is that, <laughs> yes i was going to say i'm so disappointed i totally want one <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so disappointed. Like, I would love to get my nephew Legos Mindstorms kit, but they don't make them anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, but there are a lot of alternatives out there now. Like, yeah. now's the time. Like, yeah. Sphero, I wanted a Sphero so bad when they first came out, and they were just like programmable <laughs> balls that you could use your yeah. phone to navigate. Yeah, yeah, I, I got, got one, like, I never line. really liked it. I sort of, I, I, I lost interest within a week or two. Yeah, I don't know why. But, but yeah, they've got all kinds of programmable stuff. You've got, um, r2d2 in the background scott and, and they've I got do. a programmable one now that you can kind of program so colin has out. colin has the new ones this one is yeah. an antique this is from like 2000 so it does <laughs> it does nothing you turn it on and it has like three voice commands that it understands yeah. and, and that's it so yeah, um, yeah I, have to, I have to play with these more because they're supposed to inter be able to interact with each other because they have different personality chips yeah and so like if you if you mix like a rebel personality with a a a, a um, imperial personality um they they will act differently than if you if you do two together so, so we have to see what goes yeah see see that's the difference between colin and i colin buys robots so that they can interact and they can have kind of this yin and yang sort of personality <laughs> dynamic i got a robot that does three things it tells me makes that, you look good <laughs> tells tells me that princess leia has been captured it tells me you know that, that's about it and it's like that's it right it does the same thing over and over again so, but that's um, that's funny. But my my other I have my other um robot story that I wanted to tell is I have a tale of two robots. I forgot what the one was. Oh yes, um, so one really really good robot example and one really really poor robot example. Um, and the poor robot example was just last year. The good robot example was probably six seven years ago. Uh, remember when I was doing business development, Scott? The job that I sort of hated and was not very good at. Um, so as part of that, I had to go to like you know. Pete was, Pete was going, go to tech conferences, do these things, et cetera. And so uh, there was an MIT innovation forum. So, you know, went downtown to MIT, spent the day there listening to these presentations. And there was a guy there who had basically taken, I don't know if he was ex-iRobot or whatever, but it looked like a giant Roomba. There was like a Roomba that was like, you know, three feet in diameter, right? And what he had done with it is he had built, again, it's partly in the software, a, a system where you put shelves on them and the shelves were stacked with products and they were designed for warehouses where, you know, rather than having people travel the aisles to go pick the things out of the aisles, right, you know, to assemble an order, the shelves would travel to the, the people. Yeah. And so the, pe the people would sit there with a the box and the shelves, and they would, so the shelves would, would, would approach them. And, and two, two things like he, he then, he then, you know, so he just showed demonstrated, but then he showed a heat map of what happened over time. And it totally reminded me of a storage array because the high value data stayed up at the front 
and the, the products that were no longer were, were weren't regularly offered moved to the back of the warehouse. So they, so they had to travel further, and so it was it was very interesting where the, the hot products always stayed close and the cold products went the back end of the warehouse. It was just like you know at the time it was like oh you know it's basically you know it's how you, you know it's basically analogous to you know what we do with data. You keep the the closer data in cash or or on a, a higher faster medium and you put the other stuff in the back. So interesting, but very interesting. Two years later, I was reading an article in, in the newspaper. They were bought by Amazon. I was going to say so, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. because, because the question I was going to say is: so, if I walked in and I saw something like that, knowing what I know now, it would have been, you know, the question I would have asked is the famous: well, what problem are you trying to solve? Well, people don't like to go into stores and have to wander around looking for the stuff they want. They want all the popular stuff up front. They don't want to have to go into the stuff at back. Okay, so, but that's mm. not the problem no. that you're no. trying to solve. You're trying to solve the fact that people don't want to have to go to the store, and that's where things like that no, no, the problem they were trying to really, there really <laughs> wasn't a consumer problem. They're trying to solve the problem of, you know, how do you, you know, when you have a large warehouse, how do you? produce more orders in it, you know, out of it. Right. You know, yeah. so, so you know, if, if someone has to walk, you know, think about how you walking in, in freaking lows, right. I mean, you do that once, right. And you could, you, you'll suffer through it, whatever. Right. But if you have to do that, you know, every minute of every, for eight hours a day to, to pick product for, you know, you know, a hundred orders, right. It's a lot of wasted time walking up and down aisles where you could just be making decisions about what product needs to go in the box. So, yeah. So, so that was a great use of an industrial robot. I thought, you know, hey, just move the shelf, right? It wasn't, you know, all it was doing is, and then positioning the shelf based on, you know, the frequency of how ordered, how the products in that shelf were ordered. So here's what I, so I was able to read my notes. So mm -hmm. it's been. Well, let me, let me, let me tell you my bad story. All right, great. Yes. Uh, you give, the, okay, bad yes. Story, the bad story is I was taking a tour of a factory in Japan last year. Um, really? <laughs> yes, for, for for a company I may or may not work for currently. Um, is this, is this where you learned all about sake? Oh, yes, exactly. Yes, it was it was the day day of or day yeah. before. It was you know, it was before the sake extravaganza. Um, okay. Um, and um, and it was but literally you, you walked out of this factory and it was it was a shitty tour. It's like you know it's like factory tours. Like why do I care about a factory tour? Uh, but you walked out of the factory and Mount Fuji was up in the in the distance. It was beautiful and etc. This small town out in the middle of nowhere, Japan. Uh, had to take the train an hour you know and a half south of Tokyo to go there. Blah blah. blah. Awesome. The trip was great, but like you're in the factory tour and like you know it's like they are showing off the 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 automation the factory, but like literally. Products are being moved by these carts up and down the aisles, but they're being moved so slowly and so carefully. And if you step in front of it, it stops. And I just could not see how, like, you know, it seems like automation for automation's purpose and not like, you know, you could have hired an intern to move the products from the warehouse to the shop floor yes. much quicker than the robot could have. And you could have employed somebody, you know, versus this cart that's slowly moving around at, you know, at, you know, two miles an hour down the hall, you know. Yeah, then you have so. to pay the interns medical bills and oh man yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> interns um, are expensive these days yeah I, you know it just seems like it just seemed like it was always like every time i turned around this factory i was stepping in the way of a robot um that was doing something um you know and um, again I, I get for assembly where they were useful in the fact where they were assembling boards and stuff right it was interesting to watch them assemble boards and solder the boards i get that because it's precision and and they were using um you know optical guidance and that was really cool but these the the moving the stuff from the warehouse, you know, the inventory, the supplies, the inventory, the warehouse, the floor just seemed, you know, a ridiculous waste of, of, of electronic resources. Because it wasn't solving any problem. It was just a different way of doing something. You know, maybe it was solving a, a medical insurance problem, to your point, Melissa, but it wasn't solving an efficiency problem.
So my the question. So you're, what do your notes say? What do your notes say? Uh, no, no, no. So I can read them now. So the point that I wanted to make is that you know how much do you trust the technology, right? And and uh, call it a robot, but more around the automation. So whatever that particular robot, quote unquote, work is, you know, when when do you like how how much do you handhold it, and then when do you like override it? So for example. The um, you know, the 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 um, the iRobot Roombas, right? So, like, are you watching it, and then you're like, oh my god, I got to pick the thing up, and I have to move it over here. So, like, are you still like, you know, physically involved with that robot that you shouldn't have to be, or has it gained um, complete trust? And and the reason why I ask is because the 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 example that I that I have is that so so my truck and most modern cars have you know. Our truck, all three of us, right? We all have this basically the same truck. So we all have, you know, the not just the collision alert, but the feature that if you're driving and if you fall asleep and the car in front of you stops, this thing is set up so that it will stop before you rear end the car in front of you, right? So my, my, so the, the, the truck that you drive, I know Melissa for a fact because it's the same thing, and I'm not sure what year Collins is, but if you drive it and you have the collision whatever assist, I don't know what the exact word is of the feature, but if you're driving and you're in traffic and you're going from 70 miles an hour and then it goes down to 50, down to 40, down to 30, you don't have to touch the brake. The truck will automatically slow down for you, and what it'll do is it'll keep a distance, and it's like an obnoxious distance, so you know the people behind you are like, come on, dude, let's go. It's like a football field in front of you and the other car, and so you have to kind of like move it along, but the way the, the, the software is designed is that it will do that for you, and if you didn't want to ever touch the brake ever, you wouldn't have to, and the vehicle would be smart enough to know, I'm not going to hit that car, whether you're going... 90 miles an hour and there's something dead stop in front of you, it will stop for you or whether it's just something slowing down from 67, it's supposed to work, right? And I've used it in, I've used it in traffic, like where I was like, okay, let's see if this will work and it'll, it'll slow down and it'll avoid like hitting the car in front of you. But I only trust it. Like if it's, um, um, you know, in traffic and something slowing down, not coming to a I, I stop. use it all the time. Um, I put on cruise control, use that all the time. So, but do you trust it to like avoid a collision? Would you I trust, trust it, it? I trust it to slow down. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna you know, play a movie. It's just you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna pull a David Sohn and play right, a movie right, while right, I right. drive. <laughs> so, so I, I have, I have started to try to trust it, but you know. I, you know, I, I remember when the high beams button was like a pedal on the floor. And by the way, if you ask a millennial, true or false, in order to turn your high beams on, you used to have to touch a pedal in the in the vehicle. Is that true or false? They'll say false. How a pedal? Where would they put the pedal? You'd have a third pedal that did nothing except for turn the high beams off. That's insane. I'm like, yes, you're right, but that's how it used to be. And you used to have to shift gears and you have to do all these things. So anyway. I don't trust the automation yet, and it, and it, and I probably should, and I don't have an example um, where like it's actually stopped and prevented an actual collision. So it's it's interesting, but I but I leave it on, and I would I would never buy a vehicle for me or for anybody that didn't have that feature. Just just knowing I, that I it was trust there. it as sort of an over as a, as an extra guidance. Like, but if you you know remember all those. I don't know if they were Teslas or, you know, different car, you know, there was the one where the famous one where the guy got decapitated because, you know, he put it on autopilot um, and it didn't wreck because the truck was white. It thought it was sky and, you know, 
he, he went out of the truck and <laughs> and did a, did a really bad interpretation of Fast and Furious. Um, um, and then the other one was the one, I, well, I don't think it was Tesla, it was the other car company. Um, uh, uh, it was Uber, right? Uber's one. Uber where had the issue, yeah. Where the issue with, with the, the person on the bicycle who came out. And Uber's, they were, they were basically, they had programmed into the code a delay. If you see some coming, wait to wait another second and then assess again because they didn't want to you know jerk the passenger un unnecessarily and mm -hmm. of course when a bike comes cuts right in front of you and with less than, you know with less than three seconds ago and you wait a second you've, you've you know you've you've lost a you know one third of your reaction time yeah so yeah um, yeah so so yeah, what about I you melissa do, do you do you trust it no i i use the warning system that gives you yeah. the sound alert but i do right. not i do not trust it and the reason i don't so, trust it is because the sound alert is more wrong than right <laughs> so, well, so but, i don't want to infuriate the people on the road but it 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 alerts me at times where we're like there's a curve in the road and there's a fence built close to the curve yeah. and so it do you have do you have it like crazy do you have it actively disabled or is it just on and you've never had a situation where it's had to kick in it is actively disabled. Is it? So yeah. I didn't know it was enabled until one day it like, and like I was getting close and I knew I was getting close, but I could feel, you know, the actual vehicle saying, okay, I'm going to slow down. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I realized that I had it. So that's, that's number one. So, so you don't trust it. Colin says he trusts it. So here's, no, no, I, so I, not, I, I trust it. I, I trust, that it I trust. A, with I, my I, life. I, I would I never so here's, that. so that's, so I'm, I'm doing my judge Judy. I'm getting you on record and now I'm going to ask you the question to see no, how, but, but on, whether no, or not, I, whether or not you I, contradict yourself. No, we're not contradicting. I, tr I trust uh, it. As uh, you didn't hear that. You, you didn't hear the question. I have a follow-up question. Go ahead. I want you finish. on the record. What were you going to say, Colin? I was going to say I trust it as as guidance to me, but I wouldn't trust it to take complete control. That's right. the point. Okay, so we all because, have because I know who writes these things. Right? <laughs> you know, okay, exactly right. <laughs> you know, we, we I know the shortcuts people take on coding. I know the decisions they make. Right. You know, we've all seen stupid shit happen with systems, right? You know, because of poor de poor design decisions, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. Even even when automating stuff for work, and believe me, I automate a lot for work. We work at an automation company, <laughs> like cloud automations are things. So, um, in community, we're we're automating all the things around my job right now, um, just so that we can spend more time on the actual people instead of the operational tasks. And even then, we we run the first couple um, while holding its hand, right? <laughs> because we, we still care about the experience, right? And I think I think you have to give space for for yourself to kind of test the technology and learn to trust the technology and have mm -hmm. the technology prove itself to you as a yeah. new employee would. Yep. Like, I think that's reasonable. Well, no, I think I think, I think that's the general. You know, I mean, you know, theory, I think I mean, Scott, I think. I remember someone talking to us about this, or at least me about this. It's like, hey, I want I want the storage automation to show me what it's going to do, and then I'll approve it, and then it, you know, and then two or three years is okay. Let it do, but let me verify it. You know, so there's a there's a degree of trust you need to right. get to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. exactly, exactly. So so here's here's what I'm leading up to. Have you all tried the parallel park feature? It is freaky. Oh. It's freaky as fuck. It's freaky so as you fuck. I've so, tried it once, and I'm well. I'm try and I'm afraid to try it again. You're with me. That's exactly what happened. Tell me what happened, because I bet it's the same story. It, it's no. It actually did the job, 
But it's like, did you override it or did you let it do it? No, I let it. I let it do it. I let it do it. I, I had to do it. Yeah. Oh. I, 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 there was there was like moments where I was gonna override it, but like it was like, um, and there was enough room. I was it was sort of a big enough space. It, it wasn't. I would never do it for a tight space, but um, like literally seeing the wheel move by itself, having the car move backwards without your hands on the wheel, it it was just but, like. But 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 clearing the car that it's trying to pull in behind. How did you feel about that? How close was it? It was uncomfortably close. The whole thing was uncomfortable. Yeah, uncomfortably close. That's what I'm saying. So I tried it because it's a situation where it really only works if there's like you know a, a, an area where you can mm-hmm. safely like park. Yeah. And so you need you need and so you have you what you do is you you put the blinker on, you hit the button, and you drive forward. And then when it senses that there's a gap between cars where you can fit in parallel park in it will give you some sort of alert and say okay I know where I'm going to park and you're supposed to take your hands off the steering wheel and will automatically back you up swing the wheel in do do all of that stuff for you but what happened to me was that the exact same experience is that as it was backing up it was like oh my god it's going to hit the car that it's trying to get behind and I didn't trust it because you're talking you know literally Inches, probably not even inches, but in terms of the clearance that it had, and so I, I didn't trust it, so I overrode it, and I, I backed in, and of course when I backed in, it was like, oh my god, it's like you know a football field in terms of distance that we could have made it. So, uh, but yeah, so I, that's the next feature that I'm looking for an opportunity to trust, because I think I agree with you, Colin. It'll probably work, but like it was just like way too close for comfort. So I gotta, um, gotta work on that. Melissa's shaking her head. Hell no nah to the no, no, no. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. For one, like, I still need those skills. Um, but also just, like, <sighs> here's the thing about vehicles. Like, you can get charged for, like, manslaughter <laughs> just using them. <laughs> so, no, I don't trust the robots there for the most part, especially given the collision detection and how that's done me wrong. I just don't. <sighs> trust it just just think about the 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 vacuum robot in the hallway going back and forth over a four foot square area for like eight hours that's a day fine. until somebody that's comes fine. and manually no life. i'm saying i'm with you i i'm with you it's like yeah i don't i don't i don't trust it yet yeah. but i feel like i i should um yeah, you know what? So you dent. So so the other problem is it was like so the reason why I honestly in in all transparency, the reason why I overrode it is because it was on a street where there were like a lot of people, and I was like, how embarrassing would this be <laughs> to be parallel parking <laughs> and to bang somebody's car? It wasn't a, you know anything high end or anything, but it'd be like, oh Jesus Christ! Still now I get you know what? I gotta leave a note because people are gonna be like, what's he gonna do? And it was like, so all right, I, I don't want to do this, but. Hey, if it was a dark street and there was no one around, I'd be like, screw it. Let's see what we can do here. I would have left a note for the record if anything had happened, and I would have said, you know, send it to the uh, to the dealership. So we would have figured it all out. But that's uh but that's it. Again, I think robots, I don't think necessarily the actual physical piece of it, it's all kind of the the automation and the programming yeah. and the and the logic that goes behind that. So right, no, totally. That's the exact value. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, next episode we have coming up as we hit mm-hmm. you know close to an hour. Yeah, we've got, what do you uh, got, Colin? So we're at episode thirty-five. We've got episode 
36, if you're keeping count, coming up, and that'll be so it's, it's, it's mod three, so it's me or div three, right? So it's me, right? Yes, um, it's, it's, yes. It's, it's mod three zero for me, right? Um, so I have, so I actually realized we actually haven't done French wine. <gasps> we did, we did French wine, we totally did French uh... wine. No, we, we kind did, of did, but did, not really. We did a region of France, I believe. We did yes, like, we did a yeah, region the... of France. We didn't so, technically okay. do just any French wine. 35 episodes. We may get a little foggy, I get, but I, I believe we've done French wine, and I am no, totally we, we, down we with have, We French have wine. drank French wine, and we did, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did Bordeaux. Okay. We did Bordeaux, we did Champagne at one point. Yeah, we did Bordeaux, we did Champagne. But this is this is like, let's explore. And actually, I was going to say anything but Bordeaux was going to be my recommendation. So um, ABB. Um, um, ABB. Um, ABB. So other French wines, you know, from uh, for that we haven't done or you haven't drunk. So French wines. Let's, let's do a little. Let's explore France. We're exploring France. Okay. Um, and let's not ending up in the hospital. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, please. No hospitalization. No hospitalization. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's part one. And part two is we are going to do uh, tech in movies. Oh, can it be TV shows too or just movies? Oh, let's do TV shows. Let's do, yeah, tech in, in yeah, yeah. Because oh, what good. is it? Right. What is it? Yeah. This okay. is going to be so golden because there are so we, many times where you're yeah. just cringing. Yeah, because I, I don't know, I, I don't, I was, um, Melissa, you probably saw, but I posted on, on Facebook recently that I was feeling a little nostalgic and I watched, um, uh, um, uh, um, no, um, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Yes, and I watched Johnny Mnemonic recently, so we're going to do tech, let's discuss tech in movies. Good tech, bad tech in movies. Yes. Age likeness. Yes. Movies and TV shows. Movies and TV shows. Yes. 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 That sounds yes. wonderful. Yes. Got in, it. In motion pictures, whatever it is. Yeah. We're going to make the jump to light speed. Is that what we're going to do? Yes. By the way, that that kills me because um, you know um, the some of the cable stations here seem to always be running you know the different Star Wars movies, and there's you know there's <laughs> there's nine plus the two kind of you know ones that are offshoots, so you have eleven of them. And it is like such a productivity drain because like when it's on, it's like, oh, shit. And then you get like hooked in and it's like, oh, man, I remember this was, was good. So anyway, yeah. OK, so we one, one of those one of those bonus ones is not optional. One of those bonus ones is not you optional. You said nine plus two, right? Yes. One of those two is not optional. One of those two. Guess which one I'm talking about. Not optional. Are you talking about Solo? Why no. No. Rogue One. You didn't like Rogue One? I love no, it's not I'm just, I was, no, not optional. It's mandatory. Oh, I was gonna say Rogue One was like it. the best. It's the best Rogue, of them all, right. Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One, so okay, do you wanna go through the list? Do you wanna play this game right no, now? No, no, so, I'm just saying I'm just saying uh, you have to watch Rogue One. Rogue One is in the canon, like screw oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Rogue yeah. Rogue one is Rogue One is like is 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 like should be part of it. It's not so not. so so I I'm with you. So solo the casting the story how it connected everything and everybody like oh how do you drop a bomb in the middle of this big thing uh, like connected everything and it made like perfect sense. It was like oh my god here we go again right. Um, solo was good because you got the backstory and you knew what the the Kessel Run was and all that stuff. I thought the casting in Solo was just terrible because there's no there there were no characters like i don't know any of the characters woody harrelson i mean he he reminds me of just like being so miscast um it was like watching oh god elf with um 
what's the guy that played just like this horribly miscast i'm talking about the father and elf it was just like such a bad cast it's like oh my god oh, um, any of the people um, that you could have picked no, yeah, no, yeah 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 just like oh new like, newhart bob newhart no no, no not him it, the oh. the one that in new york like oh, new york. Oh, right, oh, yeah. the, right 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 so it was like great movie and it would be like 10 times better if you know the casting so anyway so that was my my problem with solos i liked the story i liked everything that went into it just like the 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 casting of the characters like i couldn't get behind because it was like i don't know because i think i just watched you know three billboards and i was like this is the guy that just you know i don't want to spoil everyone's probably seen that movie by now but he was the the three billboards guy and that was a great movie for him i mean he was awesome and that he was awesome in true detectives i mean he had yeah. great things that he was just absolutely 100 percent amazing and this one i did not like i was just like ah he's not the guy for this doesn't make sense yeah but everybody speaking, wants to be in a star wars movie yeah speaking of speaking of star wars and speaking of casting i am so excited for the snippets i'm hearing about the new Marvel Moon Knight. So, if you don't, if you don't know, and I'll give this to people a little bit, um, Moon Knight is a, a very interesting sort of unusual Marvel character. Sort of, he's not one of the the the, the A list or two list ones. Um, he, he's sort he, he's sort of envisioned to be their equivalent of Batman. You know, a guy who sort of fights crime and blah blah blah. But you know, he gets his powers from the moon. Blah blah. But he's has mental problems, struggles with drug addiction. Uh, you know, so it was just a you know interesting real character. So he never made it, but he's always in the eighties and nineties. Always sort of like a B character, but they're launching a, a series with him. And right. Guess- so I've seen. Yeah, yeah. It it, it looks like a, they they make it look like a, the um the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. When they yeah. when they yeah yeah yeah. Oh no no, no that's, that's 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 Wanda Vision. That's Wanda Vision. Oh. No, this is different. This next year. But, like get, this... but guess they just announced who's going to be playing Moon Knight. Who is it? Someone whose last role was Poe. Really? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, that is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. 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 Like Moon Knight. Like if if you go search online, there's there's all these like memes and amazing like fan fiction out there around Moon Knight. Moon Knight, which is just no. It's a great. It's a great. It's deep. It's rich. It's you know. I mean, there's some characters who are like you know Dazzler, who's sort of you know shitty or whatever. But you know, it's a great character. I'm I'm so glad they're 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 actually chose to bring him to the show. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting and exciting, I think. Yeah. Cool. All right. So Excellent. we got so, we got French wine and we're gonna do tech and movies and TV. Yep. Mm-hmm. Be very exciting. Let's yep. cool. uh, awesome. let's take us out, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you as always for listening. And until next time. Peace out. <laughs>